and welcome to Subject ACT with me, Heather Murray. Subject ACT brings you stories from your local Canberra community and beyond, stories with a global dimension. In this episode, we're looking at a land development in a small village on the Shoalhaven south coast called Manana. Manana is a beachside village on the north side of Lake Conjola, up past Mollymook. During the horrific summer fires of 2019-20, firefighters thankfully saved the town and some critical bushland. But while this land was saved, developers were circling. With me via Zoom is Bill Egger, RFS volunteer and president of Manana Matters Environmental Association, and George Lowry, founder of the Manana Matters Environmental Association. They're here to talk about a community campaign that's pushing back against large-scale development and why this should matter to all of us. Welcome to you both. Oh, hi, Heather. Yeah, thanks, Heather. G'day. Now, it's been well over a year since the fires were put out across the East Coast, but, Bill, I believe you were right there fighting in the thick of it. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, uh, as a member of the RFS, we got uh, seconded up to the north to Coffs Harbour and in, I think it was early uh, November. So we started fighting fires up there and then we slowly watched the fires leap down the coast until it uh, it started off in the Curruan there between the coast and Canberra. And so uh, that really started to put all what, what we held dear here under threat. It was a pretty uh, a tough time for everybody. There's many of us that haven't got over it. No, it was pretty horrific and shocking. Absolutely. Can you tell us what the areas of unburnt bush mean to you and and the locals and what happened to one parcel of it almost as soon as the last flame was doused? Yeah, sure. Well, being on the fire ground for those months, I saw an incredible loss of uh, wildlife. And uh, I was sort of had an awareness that uh, this block at Manana was slated for development. Uh, but I thought that, you know, a lot of these things, they just roll on for years and years and years and nothing much happens. So uh, when I found out that uh, the developers were ready to move in post fires, uh, you know, I really wanted to to do something. Again, it goes back to, I guess, the amount of devastation that, that we've experienced right along the coast here. Uh, anyone that's taken a walk through those forests would, would know it was like a, um, a nuclear bomb going off. And I'd spent a lot of time in there through the R- with the RFS and, and uh, it certainly had that um, nuclear disaster zone feel about it. It's, you know, it's one of the greatest environmental disasters to ever hit Australia. And, uh, and there's many species, uh, that block of ground, that block of land, I know very quite well because many years ago, I um, rescued a greater glider out of there. So when I heard that this forest was going to be destroyed, I thought, oh my God, you know, this, this little greater glider population is going to go too. So how, um, how soon after the fires were out, did the developers move? Well, almost immediately. And this is Aussie Homes, is that right? And they plan to clear 20 hectares to develop 180 Mm -hmm. housing lots on Manana Beach Estate. Is that correct? Thereabouts. Thereabouts. I mean, fortunately, some members of the community actually went to council just before Christmas. This is going back to 2019 and suggested that 
this is this Christmas wasn't a good time (laughs) to uh, be undertaking the clear felling of this block of land which we knew to be environmentally significant already Uh, luckily that um, that was received well received and uh, I think we got some movement there so and then then the fires happened which just changed everything so we we lost about um well, about 95%, 90-95% of the surrounding Conjola National Park uh, was fire affected. So to have this parcel of lush forest still standing, which was then, of course, used as refuge for any animals that did survive. Yeah, it, because of standing up for this block of land for the animals to use instead of humans, we, we did end up threatening to take the developer to court did you actually take, so, take Aussie homes to court? Yeah, the Environmental Defenders Office acted on our behalf and um, we made the case that this development would have a significant impact on threatened species and it seems that we, we weren't the only ones that felt that way because in the end, Susan Lee, the Minister for Environment, did declare it a controlled action and she said it requires an assessment uh, and a a decision about whether approval for it actually should be given under the EPBC Act. So she said it's it's likely to have that significant impact, especially on the species that she outlined, the grey-headed flying fox, which is vulnerable, um, the greater glider, uh, which is vulnerable, and, of course, the, the swift parrot, which is critically endangered. Mm. Um, so she wants the developer to prove that it won't have that impact. Just as an aside, here in Canberra we've had a small flock of about 50, 45 or 50 of the swift parrots move through Canberra on their way up north from Tasmania to you and I think this demonstrates how it's not just up to one state or territory or town to save an ecosystem it's up to all of us. A hundred percent and that's a flock of 45 to 50 swift parrots is significant these days unfortunately um, because it's likely that we have under a thousand uh, I believe I read in one of the bird life communications left in the world so that's actually a really special and rare site. These parrots are migratory. They, they breed in Tasmania. Of course, in Tasmania, we're busy knocking down their, their breeding habitat, their hollows. Um, we're doing that for logging. Um, then the birds come to the mainland to feed. And of course, they lost so much of their food because of the bushfires. So we expect that um, as they do each year, they'll, they'll come via manana as well. What George says, uh, and, and you too had to go to another issue, and that is that um, Australia is party to a number of international conventions and agreements to protect migratory species. Mm. Um, and a number of those species have been identified on the block. And just recently, our ecologist uh, did a walk around there a couple of weeks ago and found um, uh, black-faced monarchs and rufous mm. fantails in there. So um, those agreements are part of the um, Bond Convention, which is the conservation of migratory species. And it's a global treaty, you know, which has legally binding agreements. Mm. And in those agreements, it states the habitat should not be destroyed. Mm. So, you know, we're just at a loss why, um, you know, governments can't act now to to protect this block. As you said um, before, Heather, about these swift parrots and what a sight they are. 
you know, if these things are gone, it it um, it it reflects. Not only does it reflect so badly on our ability to protect them, but it, what are our children going to have mm. when everything's gone? You know, post fires in this particular area, so much of it has been destroyed, is gone, and much of it won't ever return. George, where are things at now? What are what options are on the table? Where to from here? Uh, so at the moment, we're waiting for the developer to respond um, to the, the controlled action requirement. Unfortunately, there's no timeline that's given for that. So we don't know when that will occur, if it will ever occur. It's up to them. But we do know that when that happens, we've got only 10 days to respond, 10 business days. So there will be another uh, opportunity for people to investigate, take an interest in this and have their concerns heard. Mm. So we'll certainly be letting people know about that. And and then the, the minister will, will make her final decision. And look, it might be that, uh, no, she feels that actually this land is far too important as a source to be able to regenerate this, the surrounding Conjola National Park, mm. that it, it's vitally important for that and cannot be touched in any way in which case I guess his land won't be worth that much and we'll be able to buy him out. And, and uh, that's our main aim is to actually protect that land forever and have it turned into some kind of conservation reserve. So so when you say the, buy the land out, is that something mm, that the community has to come up with the money for mm, or the, the council? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we actually have the, the support of the, the state government the, Rob, Rob Stokes, the Minister for Planning and Public Spaces, has um, is right behind us and has agreed that this land is, is very important. He's prepared to put some money into it, but he's not prepared to fund it entirely. We have the Foundation for National Parks and Wildlife who set about purchasing land to add it to national parks or create national parks, and that's funded by donations from the public and they've launched a fund called the Manana Conservation Fund. Um, so, yeah, the, the community are also contributing. So we definitely, we, we the National Parks have said they're ha- absolutely happy to take this land on, by the way. That's all, it's all the, the groundwork has been laid. Just to put things in context, um, there's potentially 51 conservation-dependent species in this land, including two critically endangered ecological communities that are listed on the EPPC Act um, that are known in this in this locality. So, you know, I'll just reel off a couple of the, the mm. species that some you'll you'll know the, the names of and some not, but the spotted tail quoll, the southern brown bandicoot, they're both critically endangered along with the swift parrot. Um, we've got the vulnerable leafless tongue orchid, the stuttering frog, the greater glider that Bill's mentioned, but also grey-headed flying fox, the large-eared pied bat, um, another migratory species apart from the rufous fantail and black-faced monarch. We've got the spectacled monarch and the satin flycatcher. And then since the fires, there were uh, a number of species that were identified as, as priority species because of how much of their habitat and how many of the individuals were lost in these fires. I mean, it's been estimated about 3 billion species were were lost or or certainly displaced. Um, Who knows actually what that real figure is because the government hasn't um, completed, um, don't know that they've even really started studies to to um, really work out the impact. 
Bill, George, is there any way our listeners here and those listening further afield can support you? Absolutely, yeah. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. If... well, absolutely. Uh, they can uh, write to Minister uh, Lee mm -hmm. in support of our campaign. If people would like to support us, they can also follow our campaign on socials. So we're very active on Facebook and Instagram, so Manana Matters. But also if they'd like to join our mailing list, just email us at matters at outlook.com uh, and just put the word subscribe in the in the subject and we'll add you to the mailing list. Well, thanks, Bill and George. It's been really enlightening to hear about the Manana Matters campaign and I sincerely hope that the outcomes are all positive. If you'd like to know more about Manana Matters and about the Manana Matters Conservation Fund, I'll post some links on the Subject ACT Facebook page. I've been talking with Bill Egger, President of the Manana Matters Environmental Association, and George Lowry, Founder of Manana Matters Environmental Association. Thank you both. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Heather. I'm Heather Murray for Subject ACT. 2XXFM, 98.3 in Canberra, or streaming online at 2XXFM.org.au.